Well, hello and welcome to the Revive Podcast. I'm Carrie, pastor of Connection and Discipleship here at Neighborhood Church. Thanks for joining us. Each week we create and curate resources to help people thrive in Christ. And it's all available at neighborhoodchurch.com slash revive, R-E-V-I-V-E. Today I'm here with an exciting special guest today. It's uh, Paul Schleep. Paul, welcome. Good to be here. Awesome. And Paul, some of us may recognize your name, some of us may not. Do you want to kind of give us a history of uh, how you've been connected to our church and to our people? Yes, I was attending the what was then called The Branch in Los Alamitos for a number of years. Um, I was working for evangelical pre-churches in the district and needed a church home living in Southern California. So it was great to be back there this Sunday and have some really familiar faces. It was really good. Yeah, what a treat for them to hear from you again. So good. Shout out to all of our Los Al Campus uh, friends uh, listening to the podcast here. Uh, for those of you guys on our main campus, or you've probably met Victor a bunch of times too. Oh, I already said his name. It's Victor. Victor Wong is on our podcast. Welcome, hey. Victor. Hey, how's it going, guys and uh, people listening? Woo-hoo. Victor, you want to share with us just who you are for those of us who may not know you yet? Sure. Uh, for those who don't know me, I'm a I'm the worship pastor at Neighborhood Church, and I get the opportunity to uh, create songs and do all the so, sort of organize art, artistic things and uh, help people sing on Sunday mornings. Awesome. Good to have you on here, Victor. I, I've been itching to have Victor on the Revive podcast for for months, and now that we're back in the Book of Psalms talking about worship, it just seemed like the perfect time to have him jump on. So good to have you here, Victor, too. Uh, Before you would dive into our discussion today, I'd encourage you to pause this audio and listen to Psalm 95, 1 through 11. Either listen to it or just crack open a Bible and read it. Read uh, verses 1 through 11 of Psalm 95. That's the whole chapter, the whole song. And then you can get a great refresher, either if you've uh, listened to one of our um, sermon podcasts uh, from this past Sunday, or if you haven't listened to anything, just get a good uh, debrief, a good orientation on the passage, and then you can press play again as we dive into our conversation. You'll have a good idea of where we're going from there. Um, Just kind of kicking into the passage, uh, Psalm 95 would end up having great application in a bunch of different venues later uh, in scripture. And and Paul, you brought up one that I had not even realized previously, even after preaching this passage on Sunday about uh, Jesus uh, referring to some of the themes here. Do you want to tell us about that? Sure. I, I didn't put it into my sermon because it didn't really come to the forefront uh, until I was meditating more on the passage after it was all done. Uh, but this thing that happens halfway through verse seven, where the psalmist has been describing how great God is and why he deserves all our worship. Then you get sort of this record scratch thing where you just kind of stop because it seems like he's going in another direction and gives the warning Mm -hmm. today. If you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. And I see that same thing playing out as Jesus turns over the tables in the temple, because in the English, it looks like he's quoting from one verse, but it's actually Isaiah 56 verse seven and Jeremiah seven, 11. Uh, You'll find this in Mark 11 if you're wanting to look it up later. Mm. But he brings those two verses together, and one of them says God intended that the Gentiles be reached by Yahweh and brought into the family. So it should be a house of prayer for the nations. And the second part about the den of thieves, if you read the Jeremiah passage, it's all about thieves boldly go do something, and then they run back to their hidey hole and pretend that they're safe. And his analogy here is by showing up at worship at the temple, 
there were a lot of people feeling like, well, this gets me off the hook. I can be here. It doesn't matter how I live the rest of the week. And I can always just leave and pretend I was never there. And so it was not only something that Psalm 95 was talking about, it's something that you see the echoes of it in what happens there on Temple Mount. And of course, for all of us, it's easy for us to go to worship, be in the right place, sing the right songs, pray the right prayers, and then not allow it to sort of marinate into who we are the rest of the week. Mm, yeah, it's a great point. I, I just hadn't even realized, yeah, Jesus is pointing to those similar truths all the way here in the New Testament, centuries after Psalms. Man, it, and, and what a perennial problem for God's people to face through the centuries, right? <laughs> like, Absolutely. <laughs> they have this beautiful temple Solomon builds after David plans it, and then centuries go by where they're just misusing it and not worshiping God in a good way or neglecting it or having pagan worship practices syncretized into it. And then they go off in exile, uh, and the temple's burned to the ground. And God's like, well, you guys weren't really using this to worship me well anyway, so there it goes. <laughs> and now here's a restart. Here's here's Temple 2.0. We're back in the promised land, post-exile. A second temple is underway. And still, I, and I, I forgot to mention this on Sunday, I ran out of time, but even still that in Jerusalem, God's people are back in the promised land, finally got their wish after being in exile, and the temple has not been finished yet. And they are, and the prophets come to God's people saying, hey, you guys have spent all this money building your nice homes. You've reestablished yourself in the Holy Land. What about God's house? What about worship of God? Did you forget one of the reasons why you're exported in the first place? Deported? So this is just a, a perennial problem throughout the Old Testament and into the New and even into today, right? We come into worship and we think, I did my religious duty. Now I can go off to the rest of my life and I'll, I'll see, see again on Sunday, God. <laughs> I was just thinking like, uh, Paul, you said something about like worship in places and it's almost like, and what, what a, what a kind of thought to have. I mean, Jesus, when he talks about the woman at the well, um, talks to the woman at the well, talks about like worship and how it's not only in the high places or on the mountain anymore or at the temple. And it's at, it's, it's now within you, it's in your heart. Um, and this idea of worship through obedience, or it's not only on that Sunday anymore and it's through the week. It's, it's almost like in, in a certain way, COVID has kind of taught us that we don't have to worship in our churches. We can actually worship anywhere that we are at um, through this obedience or through our postures of worship, um, through our singing, through, through whatever. Um, but that worship is not even just at a location too. Right. And I think that's a great point, Victor. And I think if you read historically, first, they were very hesitant to rebuild the temple. Then they finally, the prophets convinced them to do that. And then it becomes a source of pride. Look at what a nice temple we've got. Mm. and begin to neglect even being there. And then when they do show up, it doesn't impact their lives. And boy, that is 21st century as well as uh, <laughs> Second Temple, right? <laughs> mm. Yeah, we got some nice buildings that are uh, potentially not being used for the right reasons in our uh, church communities these days, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's the the problem that so many have pointed to in like the uh, the rural south of the globe, where like you have these amazing cathedrals built in in impoverished communities, 
And the question is, you know, how much is going into the building versus how much is being spent on the people? And, and that's, that's an act of worship too, is to, to love the people that God loves. So yeah, good questions about right. location for sure. That's uh, in John 4, um, verse uh, 23, where Jesus tells the woman at the well in that famous scene that uh, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And let me piggyback off that because I was mentioning to you guys earlier that being a word nerd, our current English word worship was is from the old English worthship, which is clearly more than music. It is how am I living my life all seven days? Are the things I'm doing, the things I'm saying, the way I have my relationships, do all of them point to the worth of God and my relationship with him? And that doesn't require a temple. It doesn't require a church building. Now, we shouldn't, I mean, one of the points I made in my sermon is that worship is meant to be personal. It's never meant to be private, mm. right? So it should be lived out not only when you gather together, but when you're scattered as well. So it isn't just me and God up on a mountain as a steady diet, right? It's, it's intended, I mean, you've got all the let us uh, words there early in the psalm, let us worship yeah. Uh, let us come together. But again, it's that one of those balanced things in theology. Yes, it is about my relationship with God, but it's in, in relationship to the other people who follow God. And we need that because people say things and point us to things that we would have never picked up if it was just us. Mm. Yeah, I like that, Paul. I think that um, one other piece that we can add into it is... Um, Psalm 95, what we're talking about is specifically a song. Um, but like, um, I love Carrie, what you brought into this, your sermon on Sunday, which was um, you, you clarified that worship isn't just singing, even though what we're going to be talking about is a song in general. Um, and I think that adds much more value into our lives when we understand that, that it's not, it's not that, you know, 10, 15 minute moment on a Sunday morning. Um, it actually extends beyond the week and it gives uh, those who are like, well, how am I supposed to worship God doing, you know, washing my dishes or something like that? I think bringing uh, ascribing worth to something like what you said, Paul, um, our response to God can be in whatever we do. Um, and so that adds so much more value and meaning into our lives when we understand that what we can worship God with everything that we do. Um, yeah. So, Mm. I'm hoping they can edit this out if you don't want it in. But um, one of the things I didn't mention is that I've currently been working at Chick-fil-A. And my conversations with my coworkers, some of whom know Jesus and some of whom don't, last anywhere from 15 to 30 seconds because we were so busy taking food out to place, whatever, right? Mm. It, but as Victor just pointed out, it is how I interact with them that then eventually I hopefully get lyrics to go with the music as it were, right? They, they, they see the music of how I present myself, but then I get Let's to go. put lyrics to it as we then have 15 second, 30 second snatches of time. And now people start actually trying to work alongside of me, not because I'm cool, but because they want to hear a worldview that exalts God. Even the people who aren't Christians, many of them, it's like, well, what do you think about, right? And, and that's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I work at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> Which for the record, I think makes you pretty cool because Chick-fil-A is awesome. Yeah. 
it is amazing yes love that place there's there's another way like that i love the illustration that you brought adding lyrics to the tune that you are singing uh through your life um there's something beautiful about that there paul and i think that um when we kind of take when we add that purpose into our lives it makes even the smallest interactions or the smallest things that we have to do um much more meaningful and have so much more purpose and give much more value into our own lives and our own self-worth and what God thinks about us and everything. Yeah. I, I really appreciate those thoughts too. Cause I, I think, and especially your example too, Paul and bringing that up. So many of our listeners are going to say like, okay, well I, yes, I worship in church in a church setting on Sunday. Maybe I attend a small group Bible study, like a life group midweek, but most of my life, is going to be at my my nine to five job or my 12 hour shift job or whatever. Um, that's where a lot of my witness is. A lot of my efforts are my career. Like what does worship have to do with that? <laughs> and then, and, and I think Psalm 95 again, throws us for that curve, you know, halfway through and the end of verse of seven, where we learn that yes, worship involves our obedience to God. And our obedience is, is includes our witness at work or at the, you know, the Rotary Club or the PTA or the, the soccer field with my kids or whatever, that we are living lifestyles that that can be worship and that people see that, that worship is yes, to glorify God and two, to connect us to him, but it's also a witness to the world. When they see us live a lifestyle of worship, they're like, what is that all about? Why do you have so much joy? Why are you, why are you like less stressed than the rest of us here? Um yeah, those are great ways that worship can bleed into uh, the the rest of our lives and our careers in, in ways that can really point people towards him. And I think what, what we've all now been talking about is, is a holistic worship, right? Something more than showing up at a particular time at a particular place. Mm. It, I think we need to have that touchstone, but it's from there that then we live life with our spouses and our kids and our jobs and our neighbors. And I think, again, that's the big point in that record scratch at verse seven is don't feel like just because you showed up, you're done, Mm. right? This needs to work its way out all the rest of the week. Yeah. And that we need both that, that we, we do need to live it out but we also need that kind of check-in. We need that headquarters, so to speak, before we head back out into the fray or into the game. You know, we need those locker room moments with the coach, with our, our buddies, strategy, worship, you know, community in, in like church or small group or setting before we go back out. And both of those help juxtapose each other pretty well. Thinking about kind of, you guys have mentioned postures in worship too. We got to talk a little bit about this. Um, shout out to John Wyatt and his wife Debbie for giving me a, a little children's book that has a bunch of postures for worship in it. <laughs> it's like written for kids. Um, I would encourage you if you if you or any of your listeners have little kids. Um, it's called it's by the Baby Believer series. They've got a bunch of great books for kids, and my son loves them. Uh, but one of them was kneel, and we also talked about bowing. Uh, the idea in verse six of not Psalm 95, the bow and humbly kneel before God in reverence. Um, what, a what kind of worship postures are there and what, what, what does that have to do with, with worshiping in spirit and truth? I think I'll chime in on this one. Um, <clears throat> I think like just before we even talk about the different postures, it's, I want to kind of talk about why we need to have postures of worship. 
Um, and I think that comes from an understanding of what emotions do to us, I think, or feelings. Um, my wife's a therapist. And so we talk about feelings a lot and f- like, what does it mean to feel the things that we're feeling? And I think a kid is perfect to kind of watch when we do those things. When a kid is feeling something, they're going to express it in some way. And it's not only just a verbal way, but you can also see physically how they it, how it manifests. And I think that worship in a way is an expression of our response to God, but it's also how we're feeling about things. And when we're honest before the Lord, I think there's an amazing conversation that happens and interaction. Um, and that honesty is, you know, that authenticity that happens comes also not with only how we're internally feeling, but also then how it's expressed physically. And so I think that's where we somehow, where we see uh, these postures of, um, you know, one of the word uh, is prostrate where we, we we fall on our faces um, because God is so holy that we are not worthy to be even of stature to the Lord. Um, You know, we see this in the Psalm 95, um, kneeling and bowing. Those are all like to a king, like one, the history has shown um, this idea of like almost uh, the, the tallness or the space in between a person, the stature of like, we need to be lower than this person because of, you know, that's why perhaps that's why heaven is in the sky uh, because of how, of, of just how tall it is. Um, just the idea of honor and worthiness of that. And so I think there's this reverent kind of piece from it. Um, but I think in American culture and in the world, I've seen raising of hands. I've seen just even crying of joy or sadness. Like uh, I've seen dancing, shouting, jumping up and down. I think just being able to kind of be free to express those things. It's somehow it's some, I mean, think about it. Like you're in, in a room of 300 people, the room's dark and yeah, you can do those things, but it, it, it feels awkward at times. But if, if we can get kind of free, I think there's, there's, there's this like freedom of expression that comes from when we can, when we can just together worship the Lord, not only through our singing and our voices, not through internally through our feeling, but also with our bodies too. And that's something that is a little bit more difficult in our American culture to get, but we see it. I've seen it so many times in other cultures too, which is kind of cool. That's great, Victor. And you're right. In my travels, I've been privileged to be in a number of countries and you go to a worship service and it is not as buttoned down. It's not as held in. And one of the things I, we're reading missionary stories to our grandkids as part of their schooling. And my kid, my grandkids now joke that, hey, let's watch grandpa cry because... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Let's watch grandpa cry. Because if I read the chapter out loud, I get to where the person is being converted or you can begin to see the shift from their culture to Jesus. And it, and it touches me deeply. Nice. And I feel free enough with my grandkids to go ahead and cry, but it makes it hard to read the book. And <laughs> I think when we get to our public times of worship, um, especially as churches are a little larger, um, we we lose some of that freedom to to laugh or cry or yeah. if we feel like we need to bow down and humble ourselves before God. Um, and again, it's very rare in our culture because we're Americans that we want to even admit that somebody might have more stature than I have in mm, terms of yeah. right. 
mm. uh, because we are the great equalizer. Everybody's equal. Well, yes, sort of, but that whole reverence, even for some offices and positions that used to be, not so much anymore. Well, we just all translate that emotionally. I'm glad you brought that up, Victor. It's so much about emotions because we stifled all of that and felt like we all belong on the same playing field at a level. Uh, we've lost that aspect of worship as well because we're translating that into how we relate to God as father. Yeah. And, 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 and in addition to kind of our American culture, we're bringing our own rugged individualism into worship too, where I come in as the customer and man, customer is always right. Oh, didn't like that guitar solo. Don't like her hair. Didn't like how they did the lyric font on that slide. Like, you know, and it's not, it's, it's not a restaurant where we're here to give a Yelp review and, and not come back if we didn't like the dumplings. Like it's, it, this is supposed to be a family time where we're worshiping together in a communal experience where we're unified around our love for God. Despite the differences we may have in all these other realms of life, we are here to worship God and have that bind us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is a reminder that I always need just as a guy that's always tending to like evaluate what, what should be made better or how can we fix this? Or I need those reminders that I am here to worship God no matter what happens and that I need to learn from the people around me that my worship is not just my music that I like in my time, in my car, by myself. Yes, worship can be private, um, but like you said, Paul, um, it, it sometimes needs to be public still. Um, yeah, and we have lots to learn from from other people. As I look, I've, there's so many times in worship where I've looked over and I'll see like a person I love or a person I respect or even just someone I know responding in a certain way, whether it's hands raised or bowed or whatever, or reading cracking a Bible and reading it during a song. And I'm, and I'm just inspired by that. And I, I, I don't have those kind of inspirational moments where I'm learning from other people's experience of worship don't happen when I'm at home by myself. Victor, you were telling me you are a father. You just haven't seen the baby yet. Um, as, <laughs> yes. as, as it relates to this whole issue of how we treat our fathers, are you already thinking in terms of how that whole father image fits what we've been talking about? Yeah, I uh, I was just thinking, um, one, like how I relate to my own dad and then how I want to relate to my future daughter. Um, and it's mm. there's going to definitely be some of those in there, but there's also other things that I probably will want to do differently. Um, one of the things, like speaking of which, um, this idea um, when we're reading Psalm 95, there's that moment where it talks about uh, God's wrath a little bit. And I was just thinking of like, what does it look like for God, the father, uh, to share his wrath or share his wrath with his children, um, the Israelites. And in that same way, like, how am I going to share my <laughs> quote unquote wrath with my kid? Um, and I love the way that, uh, what, Paul, what did you say that uh, you, what was the word that you used um, in that moment? And oh, for disappointed. Disappointed uh, and Carrie, yeah. you said something else too. What did you say? Yeah, that it's it's not that like God is kind of hovering in the sky, like waiting for a moment to, to catch us, like as if he's just eager to punish us and just looking for an excuse. It seems more like the the continuous nature of that Hebrew verb 
makes it so that like God is being continually provoked to grief wow. by our rebellion. So it's act, it's not that God is looking for a way to punish us. God God is sad, continually sad when we ch- when we choose to rebel against what He has told us is a healthy way to live or the best way to live. I I love that because as I think about my my future, uh, I mean my kids going to be born soon, but like the idea of like I'm not there to catch my kid in the wrong, in the act of the wrong. So I'm not I'm not like a security guard. I'm not a police person. But what I am going to be doing is like there are moments where I'm going to have to share my disappointment or my anger or my hurt or all those things is just I think when we apply that and flip it um because I think growing up in my culture it was like oh don't get caught you know like that type of thing <laughs> and then it 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 potentially gives an unhealthy dynamic that happens and then and then our unhealthy dynamic then translates to our understanding of god the father in heaven um and so i think that changes things when we think of wrath because wrath is such a i would say it's such a harsh word in our american vernacular now in our culture um and so when we can understand it as this disappointment of god of being like man i wish you didn't have to do it this way i think it helps not make god more human um, but it helps us understand what it means when God is saying, like, don't forget, do not harden your hearts as you did before. Mm. Man, I think that changes so much of our understanding of worship. Um, and then also this kind of how do we find the balance and the tension of, like, obedience, too, that comes from there? Yeah. You know, it's just to kind of summarize some of the thoughts and I've really appreciated having this conversation with both of you, but um, one of the things that stands out both as a parent and now being a grandparent is really coming alongside. Cause I love my grandkids. They're all above average um, is when I watch them interacting with their parents and I come alongside and I'll say to them, tell me a time when the way you're acting has ever really got you what you wanted or made you feel better about yourself or your relationship to your parents. Mm. And they pause and are all old enough to go never. And I think mm. our, and I think our heavenly father loved that image you were painting. I think God there, cause it talks about being slow to anger and it's like, when has your rebellion ever brought you any kind of rest because that's that theme as you finish up psalm 95 when have you ever been at peace Mm. because of it so i guess i would leave us with that thought yeah for me i would probably say um just going back to one of the things i struggle with as a worship pastor is like how do i get my people that i care for to understand that worship can uh is not just that one moment it's not just an experience on that Sunday um, when we're singing together. And I, you know, I'd love to go back to the beginning where we see that uh, Paul is encouraged. Paul Schleep is encouraging us to, um, as we think about this song, that it goes beyond just that one moment that it extends uh, his story about, I love the Chick-fil-A story um, about, just the worship and what we ascribe value to will extend into our lives. Um, and we're, oh, this is what I remember someone teaching me one time. We're always worshiping. It's just what we are worshiping. 
<laughs> and then you know i don't want to do that to like scare people mm. um but it's like what are we worshiping because we're always worshiping god created us to worship so it's it's being mindful of what we worship not only on that sunday but through the week i think that if we can have that mindset going into it our lives will have they are going to transform other people's lives but our lives will also be transformed too mm. Yes, well said. We are always worshiping and worshiping something. What is it? Man, this has been a really great time chatting with both of you. Our time has flown by as usual. <laughs> Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you for Victor for joining us, both of you guys. Man, this has been awesome. A special shout out to Bob Kaler, our awesome audio tech who edits these, these episodes as well. And thank you, audience, for joining us here too. If you found this episode helpful, share it with a friend and keep reviving your soul by subscribing to this Neighborhood Church podcast on iTunes, wherever you find your podcasts. And to learn more about all the topics we've covered today, about worship, about Psalms, about so many other things, go ahead and check out again, neighborhoodchurch.com slash revive. Got some great resources there. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram or at our Neighborhood Church of Cyprus and Neighborhood Church of Los Alamitos YouTube channels. And if you have any questions, you can directly email us, carrie at neighborhoodchurch.com, K-E-R-R-Y. Love to answer any questions you have. And we hope that you can join us again next time. And until then, we pray that God revives your soul. And I'll also say that this episode was brought to you by Chick-fil-A. And hopefully if I say that, we get some kind of cut, right? Uh, maybe we can get sponsored. <laughs>